Take your Bibles and turn with me again to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to start in just a moment in verse 21. When Don and I got married, we moved to Texas 41 years ago this uh, August. And the first memory verse that we memorized together was Ezra 710. We enrolled in a uh, church's scripture memory program there. Ezra 710. You say, Ezra, what, what's that all about? Listen to what it says. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra studied the word. He applied the word. He did the word. And then he taught the word. And I want to say this to you. You should not teach the Word of God unless you study it and you do it. <laughs> you need to do it. Just do it. Don't just read it, but apply it. Do it. I believe James loved the book of Ezra. And I believe Ezra would have loved the book of James because James is always telling us it's not enough just to believe right. You need to do right. You need to do the right thing. Don't just get more knowledge of the Bible. Put it to work. Apply it. So today I want to talk to you out of our text, hearing and doing God's Word. James 1, 21 through 27, Therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a, like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. But once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently, that is, constantly at the perfect law, that's the Word of God, the law of liberty, and abides by it, that is, he looks at it, he reads it, but he does what it says, he uh, abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit, that is, to take care of orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Well, let's talk about hearing and doing God's Word. First of all, let's look at the hearing part requirements for accepting God's Word. Hearing the Word of God is accepting the Word of God. Now, how do you do that? What kind of spirit do you have to have to be teachable? What, what kind of spirit do you have to have to say, okay, I don't know everything there is to know about the Lord. I don't know everything there is to know about the Christian life, so I need to learn what kind of spirit do you have to have in order for God to let you be a really good student where you can really learn from the Word of God. 
Well, there's three things. First of all, you have to have a spirit of holiness. Holiness. Does anybody remember holiness? <laughs> Does anybody remember that there are some things Christians should do and some things Christians should not do, and it comes out of being taught by the Holy Spirit through the Holy Scriptures? Look at verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness. Say the word filthiness. And all that remains of wickedness. Say wickedness. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Putting aside. Apothemino. It means to lay aside. It means to take off dirty clothes. That's what it means. When I left this morning, we've had grandkids here all week. Can I make a statement? We had a lot of clothes to wash and a lot of sheets to wash, and they were dirty, and it was just a bunch of stuff to clean. Did you know that that's exactly the picture that he's given us here? You need to shed the filthiness of the world. You need to take off your old garments. Let me say this to you. When you get saved and Jesus is in your life, you need to live differently than you did before you got saved. People ought not to have to wonder if you got saved or not. And they ought not to be shocked if they find out that you are a Christian because you have taken off the old self, the old garments of sin. That's exactly what putting aside all filthiness means. And notice, and all that remains of wickedness. Once you get off those filthy clothes, you look around, is there anything left of wickedness? Kakaya, depravity vulgarity. Kakaya is the word that Deacon Philip used when he rebuked a magician named Simon in Acts chapter 8. He said, therefore repent of this wickedness, Kakaya, depravity, evil, iniquity, malice of yours, and pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. If I am going to live for Jesus, if I am going to live in the Word, I've got to have a spirit of holiness if I'm going to learn what God wants me to do. Years ago, when we lived in Birmingham, I went to a banquet, an athletic banquet, and the speaker was somebody I really wanted to hear, Coach Gene Stallings. I had seen him when he was an assistant coach with the Dallas Cowboys back when Don and I lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area when we were going to school. And then I knew him to be the coach of the University of Alabama football teams. He won 70 games in seven years. Do the math. That's not bad. Amen. And they still fired him because he didn't win big enough. But he won a national championship his first or second year there. But he loved the Lord, still does. And he preached, if you will, that night. He spoke that night from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Listen to this. I can remember, I can hear him talking today. Try to live in peace with everyone and seek to live a clean and holy life. 
For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And then he looked at us. He had these little reading glasses and he would wear them down on his nose and he would look over and say, do you know what that means? It means that if you're not holy, you won't go to heaven. That had everybody listening. What did he mean by that? He explained, he said, the only way to get holy is to receive Jesus into your life. And when Jesus comes into your life, He comes in the person of the Holy Spirit, and then daily you're living in the Word, and you're not just reading the Word, but when it tells you to do something, you do it. I thought, man, alive, that's exactly what holiness is, just being like Jesus, just applying the Word of God. Coach, thank you for that. If you want to listen and hear the voice of God, you've got to have a spirit of holiness. You've also got to have a spirit of humility. Of humility. Look at verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness, all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted. I love that picture. It's a picture of sowing seed, and when it hits the ground, it is implanted, and you, in humility, receive it. You don't think that you know better than the Word of God. You receive the Word of God, and you do it in humility. You've got to walk in humility if you want to receive the Word of God. You've got to humbly bow yourself at the feet of Jesus. Now listen to what I'm about to say. This is major league important. You've got to come to Jesus and say, I don't have what it takes to live the Christian life. I need your help. How many of you know deep down that in and of yourself, you can never be like Jesus? Anybody know that? Yeah. You need help. That's humility. And it's okay. It's okay to say, I need help. I need some help, Lord. I don't need just some. I need a lot of help. Come to God just like a little child. You know, Jesus was humble. He said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you. That is, get hooked up with me and learn from me for I am gentle and I am humble in heart and you shall find rest for your souls. Now, Hold that just a second. When you see all caps there, that doesn't mean it's not there for emphasis. It just means that's a New Testament verse quoting an Old Testament scripture. scripture. And so that's from Jeremiah there at the end. But he says, in humility, humble heart, you'll find rest for your souls. I love what Jesus said. He said, basically, it's only the childlike, it's only the People who walk in humility, who really get it spiritually. He was praising the Father in Luke 10, 21. He said, that time Jesus was filled with joy of the Holy Spirit. He said, oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and are revealing, and for revealing them to the childlike, to the humble. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it that way. You say, man, Brother Steve, I, I want to know the Lord. I, I want to be able to look at the Word, and I want God to talk to me out of the Bible. Okay, you got to have the right spirit. 
and have a spirit of holiness and a spirit of humility. But there's one more thing. You got to have a spirit of hunger. You got to hunger for the truth of the Word of God. I want to ask you, are you hungry for the things of God? Or are you hungry for the things of this world? You can't have both. You can't dine with the devil and dine with Jesus. You can't have both. You can't receive from the enemy and receive from the world and receive from Jesus simultaneously. You've got to choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Joshua said, as for me and my house, I made that choice a long time ago. We're going to serve the Lord. If it means death, I'd rather die for Jesus than live for the devil. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to have a hunger. Therefore, verse 21, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, that's got to have the spirit of holiness in humility, got to walk in humility. I'm going to receive the word implanted. I'm hungry for the word. I'm going to receive the word implanted. I'm going to receive the seed of the word of God, which is able to save my soul. Wow. I'm going to hunger. I'm going to receive the Word implanted. I'm going to live in the Word until it lives in me. I'm going to daily just sow the seed of the Word of God. I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to memorize the Word of God. I'm going to meditate on the Word of God. I'm going to come at least once a week to hear the Word of God taught. And I want to say this to you. If you come to this church and there's not the teaching of the Word of God, don't ever come back. If you go to any church and they don't get up and explain the Word of God verse by verse, walking through a text and illustrate it and apply it, why would you go there? You don't need a little feel-good talk. You need the Word of God. Man, look, I'd rather hear somebody with a third-grade education who knows the Word than somebody who's got a Ph.D. that won't preach the Bible. I don't need that stuff. I want the Word. That's what you are. You ought to hunger for it. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness, receive the Word implanted which is able to save your soul. You know, the Bible says you have to receive salvation. If you're saved, you understand what it means to receive the Word of God and the God of the Word. The Bible says in John 1, 12, but as many as receive Him, Jesus, to those people, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they received Jesus. They received His Word, Acts 2.41. Then those who had received His Word were baptized. They got saved. They received His Word. It is an explanation. It's just a description of how you get saved. You receive the Word, and then you get baptized to show that you're saved. And that day they're at it about 3,000 souls. Paul talked about that in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. He said, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So, you say, okay, Brother Steve, I, I want to hear the Word of God. Man, I, I want to avail myself to the Word of God. I, I want to take in Scripture. Uh, 
What kind of spirit do I have to have for that really to work? Spirit of holiness. You can't live out, you can't live a double life and God speak to you. Doesn't mean you have to be sinless, but it means you're not living in known, unconfessed sin. You're not living over in the world here. You're not cussing all week long and drinking and getting drunk and being immoral and looking at pornography and, you know, living with somebody you're not married to and all that. You're not doing all this double stuff and, and you're not, you know, acting a fool at work and, and being a big man and all that stuff and bragging all the time. But you're walking with Jesus, man. You're in the Word and you're walking in humility. You're walking in holiness and humility and you're hungry for the things of God, man, that's when you're really going to get it. But then, when God gives you His Word, when He speaks into your life, look at me, then you got to do it. Let me put it this You get to do it. You get to obey God. Because look at me, God, I'm going to show you in a minute, God will bless you when you apply the Word of God. You may not know this, but there is a structure that I have used here, for, and I've used it for 40 years in teaching the Word of God. You may not even recognize it, and that's fine. I don't, I'm not asking you to recognize it, but I want to tell you what I do with my sermons. What I do is I take the Word of God, I, I, I take the, the, the main text, and I see that there's one major overarching idea, then I see the skeleton on it, and I take it apart. That becomes the point, and under every point, I do this. Look at me. I explain it, and I apply it. I explain it. I tell you what it meant to the people back then. I tell you what James was saying to the Jewish Christians to whom he was speaking. But that's not enough. You can't just hear the Word of God. You've got to do the Word of God. So what then I try to do is say, okay, now that you know what God was saying to them, Here's what God is saying to you. And let's, here's how we can practically put this stuff into action. That's where we are on this next type thing. We're going to see how in the world do you go from explanation to application. And if you don't do that, you're not living for the Lord. Okay? It's not just a bunch of head knowledge. It's doing something. Doing it right for the Lord. Okay. How do we do that? If we apply God's Word, what's going to happen? Number one, we are going to escape self-deception. Nobody is more deceived than the guy who deceives himself. Look at verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the Word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Paralogizomai. You say, do what? Paralogizomai. It's the word for delude. Prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves, who deceive themselves. What does it mean? It means literally to miscalculate. It means to reason falsely. You know what? When you think bad, you do bad. When you think wrong, you live wrong. And when you miscalculate, even if it's just a few degrees, let me tell you something. You get on an airplane that's supposed to go to New York City or London or wherever you want to go. You go to Memphis, you get on that, air, that airplane, and they are 
just a few degrees off. They miscalculate their destination just a few degrees. When they fly that for about three hours, wherever you land is going to be hundreds, if not a thousand miles away from where you're supposed to go. A few degrees off can mess you up. You can miscalculate. That's the word here. That's the word. They delude themselves. They miscalculate. They reason for They're thinking bad. God's word to them is heard, but they don't do it. They don't heed it. They overheard it, but they don't obey it. It is in their head, but it hasn't come out their hands. They haven't applied it. Then James gives an illustration that anybody, if they're honest, understands. Look at verse 23. Don't tell me there's no humor in the Bible. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, you know what he's like? A man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately has forgotten what kind of person he was. He said, I don't see the humor. <laughs> because you don't want to. You look in the mirror and you see reality. But your mind starts filtering saying, well, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as that mirror says it is. Oh, yes, it is. It's that bad. Or it's that, whatever, bad or good, that's what it is. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to another thing. If you've got a driver's license, look at the picture on it. How many times have I heard people say, I don't look anything like that? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You say, well, I don't look like that. That's exactly what you look like at that split second. No, yes. You look in the mirror of God's Word, and God tells you the good, bad, and ugly. Amen? He tells you all of it. But then you lay it down, and you start living. You say, well, that's not, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as Job there, and Joe is the worst guy you could have picked out, amen? I mean, Joe's worse than everybody, all right? And that's always the guy you go to, right? I'm better than Joe. Well, everybody's better than Joe. Big deal. If you're Joe, I'm sorry. I didn't mean you. I, gotta, I, don't, want any, I don't want any letters from that, okay? <laughs> okay. Why is it we always pick out the worst person? You look at yourself, and you delude yourself. You, you look in delusion. You look in... And you're, you're really just telling a lie. Heard about this guy over in East Tennessee up in the Smoky Mountains. He was out in the woods one day, and he found something. He didn't know what it was, and it was a mirror. He picked it up, and he looked at it, and he said, Well, I'll be. There's a picture of my daddy right there. Put it in his pocket, got home, wrapped it up in a towel, put it under the bed, didn't think anybody saw him, but his wife saw him. Every time he wanted to see a picture of his daddy, he'd pull it out and say, there's daddy right there, and he put it back in. His wife pulled it out, looked at it, and said, ah, 
There's the old hag he's been cheating on right with me right there. Some of y'all will get that after a while. How many of you know that we don't, we're not as good as we think we are? Does anybody know that? I want to say this to you. The reason a little dab won't do you with the Word, you got to live in it until, look at me, until you see the real you and you own up to it and you keep looking at it until all you see in your life is Christ-likeness. This is the greatest mirror in the universe. And you look at it and you live in it until you start doing it and you become Christ-like. Oh, that's what we need. That's why we do what we do with the Word of God. The Bible says we, we don't need to be Living in self-deception, 1 Corinthians 3.18, stop fooling yourselves. If you think you're wise by the world's standards, you will have to become a fool so you can become wise by God's standards. Galatians 6.3, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. All deception is dangerous. It can even be deadly. But the worst self-deception, the most dangerous self-deception of all is self-deception. Living daily in God's Word will give you a reality check. You escape self-deception. And when you apply God's Word, when you live in the Word of God and you apply God's Word, number two, you ex experience divine blessing. Look at verse 25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. Makarios, he'll be blessed. He's going to be happy. He's going to be a privileged recipient of divine favor. That's exactly what makarios means. It's, it's, it's in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, the gentle, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. They are privileged. They are happy, and they are privileged recipients of divine favor. And when you live in the Word of God and do what it says, God blesses you. And I want to say this to you. God doesn't bless everybody the same. God blesses the people who do what He tells them to do. He said, that's works, that's works. No, it's not. It's obedience. I want to say this to you. If you will do the do's and don't do the don'ts, you will be blessed. That's not works. It's not works. God blesses obedience. And God disciplines disobedience. He just does. He says, well, I don't believe that. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in the sovereignty of God too. But I want to tell you something. You disobey this book, God's going to discipline you. You obey this book, God's going to bless you. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And you're going to have joy. The psalmist says this, how blessed is the man. This is the first three verses of the book of Psalms. Who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. He's not going to live in the world. Verse 2, but his delight... 
The pleasure of his life is in the law or the word of the Lord. And in his law or his word, he meditates day and night. What will he be like? He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf doesn't wither and whatever he does, he prospers. You live in the word, you're going to be like a tree and you're going to be prospering and you're going to be blessing other people. How many of you think we need more trees in the church nowadays? Amen. Some spiritual folks that just love God and want to live in his word and want to repent when they're wrong and do the right thing. Oh, you can experience divine blessing if you will apply the word of God. You can also, if you'll apply the word of God, exercise controlled speech. Do you know anybody that has a mouth that is out of control? Look at verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, say those three words with me, please. Bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This man, his religion is worthless. It's garbage is what it means. I know people that say, well, Brother Steve, I... It came to my mind, I just had to say it. No, you don't. No, you don't. Flush it. Don't let it flourish. Don't let some bad word come out of your mouth. I said, you say, well, I don't, I don't cuss. I'm not talking about that. I have, I have heard people say, well, I'm a prophet. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to say this to you. All the prophets I read in the Bible, they wept all the time because they had to speak hard words. They didn't enjoy it. If you enjoy rebuking somebody, you're, you need to look in the mirror and rebuke yourself. You need to be very careful with the things you say. And just because you think something doesn't mean it needs to have exit out of your mouth. Sometimes the best thing to do is just to be quiet. Is it quiet in here? Verse 26, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet doesn't bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. I've had people tell me for years, you don't know what's in my heart. I may not write when I first meet you. But all I have to do is listen to you talk for a while, and I'll know what's in your heart. You know why? Because out of the heart doth the mouth speak. And what you talk about, that's what's in your heart. If all you talk about is sports, that's what's in your heart. If all you talk about is money, that's what's in your heart. If all you talk about is yourself, that's what's in your heart. If you never talk about Jesus, if you never talk about Scripture, if you never talk about the Holy Spirit, you have to ask, is He really in my heart? Is He really in my life? Because what is in your heart comes out your mouth. That's what happens. And you can exercise controlled speech. And let me tell you something. It's not just the content that you need to control. It's the tone. I thought somebody would say amen. You say, Brother Steve, you're on your own on this point. Okay, great. You can say the right thing and say it the wrong way. 
I mean, this doesn't really work, does it? I'm sorry. What's up with that? You're sorry what? That you got caught? Or that you repent that you did it? No, you're not sorry when you talk like that. Tone, man, tone. Tone is, it communicates big time. So you got to give all this to the Lord and just say, Lord, I just want to keep my mouth closed until you tell me to open it. And then when I open it, Lord, tell me what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Oh God, let me live in your word so much and let your word live in me so much that I exercise controlled speech. Next, when you apply God's word, you know what else you do? You'll encourage needy people. There are people all around you that need your help. But you know what? We miss it because we live so much for ourselves. We think about ourselves so much, we don't think about the Lord and we don't think about other people. We just think about us. Look at verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion is the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit lame translation, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Episkeptomide does not mean just to make a visit. It means to meet the needs of somebody and to take care of them. So when he says you need to visit orphans and widows, he's saying you need to take care of them. You need to do something about that. You need to give to a ministry that is ministering to orphans and widows and people like that. I was reading this morning, early in my time in just the Word, when I read the Bible, no offense, not for you, not to feed you in a sermon, but rather just to feed my soul. I was reading this morning the Old Testament in Lamentations, and it talked about the fact that we need to be people who minister to orphans, widows, strangers. People that don't normally fit in our culture. Aliens is another way of saying it. People who are from other countries who come to this country, we need to love them. They're vulnerable. And you know what the Bible says? You need to treat foreigners and aliens with love and respect because you were once a foreigner and an alien in Egypt. He said that to his children. So these people, these orphans and these widows, they are indicative of people who are vulnerable. And in the first century, nobody was more vulnerable than the orphans and the widows. They could be abused. They could be kidnapped. They could be sold into slavery. They could be sold into prostitution, even the children. And the government would do very little about it at all, nothing. They were just vulnerable. And so Christians started taking these people in and ministering to them. They represent oppressed people. And by the way, some of you, my children, my own children, who already have quite a few children, 
They want to minister to orphans. How can you do that? You can support ministries that do that, but you can also engage in foster care or adoption. There are 153 million children worldwide who are orphans. 135,000 orphans are adopted in America every year. And while I applaud that and praise God for that, 135,000 are adopted. But let me tell you something. Almost a million are killed by abortion every year. And if a lot of those people would give their children for adoption, there would be more adoptions than there are. Don't have an abortion. Don't kill your unborn baby. Give that baby up for adoption. You say, well, how can we get involved? What can we do? I'll give you three ways to get involved. Get involved by contacting. There's three ministries you can contact. Take a picture of that on the screen if you'd like to. There's two of them. Life Choices of Memphis. Don and I give to that ministry every month. And then we give another check to it every year when we go to their banquet. They are all about helping girls who are pregnant understand that what is in their womb is a living human being. And they help not only with fighting abortion, but also in adoption. Then there's the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home. Both of these just have websites. Just look them up. LifeChoicesMemphis.org, TennesseeChildren.org. And then we have a ministry, a third way to minister here at Bellevue. We have our own orphan care ministry. And you can find out more about it. Go to Bellevue.org forward slash orphan. We partner with agencies and we give you information of how we can assist you in providing foster care or adoption. And if you don't want to go to those ministries, how you can help these children financially and through your prayers in other ways. And Bellevue doesn't get any of the money if you're worried about that. You say, well, how can I help widows? Glad you asked. <laughs> and you'd be shocked at how many widows we have who are members of Bellevue that can't come to church anymore. They're totally isolated, many of them. And they would just love it if you just send them a, a, a card once in a while. If you just maybe call them on the phone or maybe even go by with your spouse and visit them. Can't we do something like that? You say, how do I get involved in that? Call our main number, 347-2000. Ask for Pastor Ron Jerkins. Ron Jerkins. Let me tell you something. I, if, you, if you stand before God and you say, I just didn't have time to take care or to be involved with orphans and widows, and that, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to get rebuked at the throne. <laughs> God was going to say, what do you mean you didn't have time? You had time, didn't you? You need to have the heart to do it. Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Quit thinking just about you and your family and start looking around. There are people all around you with needs. Jesus said in Matthew 25, then the king, that's the Lord, 
will say to those on his right, that's the people who are saved and love the Lord, come you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. That is, you saw that in those people, you ministered to them like they were me. They were hungry, I was hungry in them. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. When you fed them, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. When you gave them something to drink, you gave me something to eat. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. You visited me. I was in prison. You came to me. When did we see you and do all these things? And we, when did we do that to you? When you did it to the least of these people out here, you did it to me. The way you treat people is the way you treat the Lord. Encourage needy people. How do you do that? Get in the Word. You stay in the Word, and I promise you, you'll stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about other people. One more thing. You apply God's Word. You engage in holy living. Look at verse 27 very quickly. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Now, here it is. And to keep oneself unstained by the world. How many of you know that our world is getting darker and darker spiritually? Does anybody know that? Sure it is. And as we draw toward the end of time, whenever that is, if it's 100 years from now, five seconds from now, 200 years from now, we don't know when it's going to be. But as we draw toward the end of time, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse in the world. But the world is going to get darker. But I believe the church is going to get brighter. And I think that God's going to draw people to that brightness. I believe that with all my heart. And you need to be delightfully different. I want to say this to you. If you've got to fit into the world, you're not a Christian. Now, I'm not talking about weird, but I am talking about delightfully different. Although some people will look at you and think you're just really different. You don't talk like they talk. You don't listen and laugh at the jokes they tell that are immoral and nasty. You don't cuss. You don't go out and get drunk. You don't cheat on your spouse. You walk the straight and narrow with the Lord Jesus because you are looking forward to the prize, see? You don't want to live like the world. You're not all the time putting everybody down. All that. I'm not talking about that. But I am saying you ought to live in such a way that if the people at work found out that you were saved, they would not be shocked. Amen. Maybe they say, you know, well, there you go. That's why, that's why they live like that. They love Jesus Christ. They may not agree with you on everything, but you know what? They'll look at your life and say they love the Lord. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, you got to be different than the world. He said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. That doesn't mean you never hang around lost people. It just don't means you don't act like them. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Your best friends don't need to be lost people. You can befriend lost people, but for the sole purpose of leading them to Christ. And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we're the temple of the living God. As God says, 
I'll live in them and I'll walk among them and I'll be their God. I'll be their, they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among the unbelievers. Not, not saying that you never get around Christians, but stop living like the world. That's what he's saying. Come out from among the unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You can't cuss Monday through Saturday and come in here and praise God on Sunday. You can't do that. You can't yell at everybody and be mad all the time and angry and come in here and sing holy, holy, holy. You can't live in fear and anxiety and scared all the time, not trusting God, and come in here and sing, I trust in the Lord. You can't do that. You can't have it both ways. You can't look at pornography all week long. By the way, that's cheating on your spouse. That's adultery. Whether you're a man or a woman and you do that, that's adultery. You know that, don't you? You say, well, I didn't do it. You just didn't have the right circumstances. You would have if you could have. You're lying to yourself if you think anything else. You can't look at that trash and then come in here and everything be okay with you and God. You got to engage in holy living. I don't know about you, but I've already made up my mind. I'm not going a day without looking in the mirror. <laughs> I'm going to get in that word, man. I'm going to get in that word before I get in, before I get on any kind of social media or look at check my emails and all my texts and all that stuff. No, but I'm getting up, I'm putting it on airplane mode. Amen. I'm going to get in the word. And I'm going to. Look, and I'm going to intently look at this, and I'm going to let it just bathe my mind and bathe my heart. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to take it in. I'm going to do it with a spirit of holiness, humility, and hunger. And then, by the grace of God, I'm going to take something I learned today, and I'm going to put it into application, and I'm going to do it and I'm going to escape my self-deception. I'm going to experience divine blessings. I'm going to exercise controlled speech. I'm going to encourage needy people. I'm going to engage in holy living. And it's all because of the Word of God. Don't just look at it. Apply it. Do what it says. And you'll be blessed. Amen.